Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. Max, what's going on? Well, I feel really relaxed, actually, because, oh, nice. uh, you know, I've had the band's been really busy, but we've had this 10 day window uh, where I've just been home, starting with your wedding last Friday. Yeah. And then Anthony, our keyboard player, he got married this past Friday. It's really nice. I've been having, like, I had a lazy day around uh, the house today. I had a nap on the couch, watched the Blue Jays game. It's been great. And I was, sorry, I was kind of hungover, too, because uh, <laughs> we went out last night. We had a bit of a night last we night. We had a bit of a night. Well, our friend Sean Dawson got engaged. Yeah, that's right. So we were celebrating uh, Sean and, and his wonderful lady Chelsea's big moment. Yeah, shouts to our, my old roommate. That's Your right. old roommate. Yeah, my old roommate, bandmate. Yeah. So uh, And that, MC at my wedding. And, and oh, by the way, he was, I want to get into your wedding. So... He was amazing as a MC. Well, let's set up the wedding a little bit. First, All right. Because because you didn't let me talk about it going into the wedding. Last episode, I was like, can we talk about going into your wedding? Yeah, it's and too nerve-wracking, like, man. You're like, like, don't <laughs> talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So we can't really get into it. But now that it's in the books and it's being heralded as one of the best weddings that anybody's ever gone to. Oh, my goodness. It's, and that is true. Wow. We should talk about the wedding. Sure, yeah. I Thank you for being uh, one of my groomsmen. You well, were so great. All, Mike, I'm very flattered that I was in the wedding party and I was not expecting to be asked because you and I, our friendship is newer and you have lots of great friends. But I guess Danica decided to go crazy and have eight bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to find an eighth person. And I was happy to be that eighth person. But uh, I want to know, so uh, a couple things I want to talk about. But what was your... Uh, in terms of, because I was very emotional during the whole wedding, uh, and to give it some context, Danica lost her mother three years ago, and you lost your mother fifteen years ago, roughly. And so, uh, you know, and they had these beautiful photos of both your mothers on their wedding days, like hung up, and in a lot of the speeches, you know, there was a lot of talk about you know how much your mothers would have loved to be here, and that stuff really got to me and made me cry like every fifteen seconds, basically. <laughs> but I want to know for you. Because uh, it's a little different because you've processed all these ideas many times over, I'm sure. Uh, what, how, how much were you able to sort of like feel the speeches or how much were you like, shit, I got to make sure things are running on time and I got to like, oh, is, you know, my uncle getting seating okay or whatever, like any other sort of logistical matters. Like where, how, how did you feel about it? It's, uh, it's one of those things. It's, it's all of those things. It's hard to describe because it is like an emotional event. And, but then also it, it's like putting on a show. Like you're thinking about a million things and you're running around and, and you're getting stopped every second by somebody who just wants to give you some well wishes and you want to give them some time. Yeah. So it's like your head's on a swivel. You're just kind of going crazy. And it's like sort of a confluence of emotions and sort of things that you need to process that I've never experienced before and probably won't ever really be a part of anything like that where you're so tied in emotionally, but then also dialed in just functionally because it's like things need to get done and it's like oh this is happening now and how come that hasn't happened yet all of that it's all happening at once so you just kind of like i felt like it was over in a heartbeat it felt like it just scooted by Uh, the yeah it's it's actually funny i mean not to compare because it is different but um when we perform like when the band performs like there's that where it's like sometimes i don't truly get to like be appreciative of like maybe a a crowd reaction or like, or a a musical moment happening in the song just because I'm thinking about so many other things. Mm -hmm. But that's what made this wedding so much fun for me is that I got to just sort of, I was a part of it because I was in the wedding party, but I I had no responsibility. I, you know, I wasn't like, I was thinking about, Oh, I got to go make my speech later. Or or I got to perform a song. I could just like truly enjoy it and savor it. And like, I knew a lot of people there. A lot of our friends were all there, but it, I didn't have to like, you know, 
kiss babies or like totally. really go out of my way to like talk to my old aunt Ruth or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so I really, I love the wedding. I, mean, I love the wedding. <laughs> I'm so happy that, uh, you enjoyed yourself. I, I did, the speeches were emotional. Like I definitely felt them cause it's like, it would almost be like you'd rush, rush, rush and you're, you're running around and then the speech would happen and everything would slow down. And then you were in the speech, right? Like you were listening to somebody talk. My brother was very funny in his yeah. speech. Um, and then Danica's, um, dad and her sisters gave great speeches that were very emotional. Your speech was awesome, by the way. Oh, amazing speech. You weren't looking at any paper or anything. You're just kind of riffing, but how how much did you prep for that, by the way? Um, I, I, I had notes, like I had kind of places like things I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. and I had a couple things like figured out like some lines and stuff, you know, things like that. I, and what I said about, you know, your positivity and I didn't bring up the pod in my speech, but it's like just everything that we've done with this pod and how it's become like a real thing. When we first had the conversation, you're like, Mike, I think we should do this. I'm like, eh, I was like kind of finding every reason not to, but you're like, no, it can be a thing. It'll be fun. And you sort of willed it into existence and something. And it's like, that's an amazing thing. And that's, you know, one of the reasons, uh, I gave you those Ray-Bans, brother. No, thank you. You earned them. But, um, yeah, so it was like, yeah, I definitely, like, felt all the speeches, but then you go right back to, like, okay, what's happening next? And then before I knew it, it was, like, two in the morning. Yeah. And, every you know, Dan and Julian's shirts were off, but the lights were coming up. Well, my favorite thing uh, happened, maybe my favorite thing happened after I left, and I only heard about it, <clears throat> and it's one of these, uh, the story, the legend only grows. But, so the next day, I get a text from uh, the nut going, ooh, Jug is unhappy about a glass-throwing incident. And I'm like, what, what's going on? <laughs> so essentially the story goes that there's um, some people hanging out on the patio outside and all of a sudden like a glass, a bar glass, comes flying over the patio fence, like lands on or near a car from one of the staff yeah. and like crashes on it. And, so, and this is at like 1.30 in the morning or 1.15 in the morning. And we and and the staff goes to you. Say one of your friends threw a glass, and things are getting a little out of hand. You have to go figure out who. Did I it. wish they said it like that. They were like, "We're shutting down the bar unless you <laughs> identify who was who, who was." Did. So they they were sort of threatening to, to turn off the taps, which which on your wedding day you don't want that. Oh, that wasn't That'd happening. Be the worst. So you go over and you question. All right, guys, who did it? We got to figure this out. Now the the three main suspects were our friends Jug, Savelli. Uh, and uh, Ascula. Ascula, who at that hour, who are all upstanding, awesome guys. But at that hour of the night, they're kind of wild cards. Like, you don't know, like it could have been any of them. And so Savelli uh, is a professorial guy, Oxford educated professor, the most sort of like sage, like full of wisdom kind of dude you could know. Like everybody kind of goes to Savelli for advice. Anyway, he doesn't own up to it. And then the next morning, we it's revealed that he emailed you apologizing because he was trying to break glasses if he was at a Jewish wedding. Like he was, getting, <laughs> he was making some point about Jewish weddings and breaking glass. He, you're not Jewish. He's not Jewish. There's no reason to be breaking any glass. No. So that's so, so the fact that it was Savelli that ended up being the culprit was so funny to me. And the second thing is, there's another person who was part of the wedding party Sometimes he listens to this podcast and signs off on them. Who was accused <laughs> of uh, stealing a, vod- a, a forty bottle of vodka from the bar for the after party? Yeah, and, uh, and, caught, and he caught was, red-handed. Caught red-handed. Shamefully had to come downstairs. <laughs> This head hanging down, giggling that he got busted trying to steal a bottle for an after party. Yeah, because he just wanted to keep the party going. He was in <laughs> Toronto. He had heard about all the fun partying that happens in Hamilton. He's a Toronto guy. And 
I won't say he. you mentioned him in your speech as, his, as your mentor. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I definitely <laughs> and did. And the person who gave you your career. Yeah. But uh, he was... Uh, yeah, he he was caught in the act of, of stealing <laughs> from the bar. And so just those two things in tandem are so funny because if you were to ask me, like, who are the two most, like, responsible, professional, sort of, like, adult figures in the group, mm-hmm. I would have said Savelli and this person we won't name. <laughs> and they were the two biggest shit disturbers, which makes me so happy. It was which, hilarious. Which makes... Uh, you know, I love I love late night shenanigans. You know, that's what I live for. That's basically why I hang out with the Champagne Boys because there's always a story like that. And those guys brought it for us. It was great. So uh, that that will just go down in wedding lore. It will. Just, you know what I mean? Like every wedding needs a story. Oh my like goodness! That, yeah, where it's like oh, someone tried to steal a forty of vodka from me on the bar. So keep the party going. <laughs> wedding for the ages. The food was amazing. Uh, the dance party was great. Everything was, yeah, couldn't ask for anything more. And I'm so happy I was included. So thank you, Mike. Oh, man. No, thanks for being there. Uh, but Max, on the show today, we have Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. Uh, the dudes. The, the dudes, dudes the from fellas. Florida and Georgia. That's correct. In our research, it turns out that's the truth. Once, <laughs> once from Florida, once from Georgia. Um, very fitting name. Yeah. We don't interview a lot of country artists, so it was pretty cool to get to talk to somebody outside of sort of where we've gone before, I felt like. Yeah. And, you know, I think. Um, <clears throat> There's a tendency, especially amongst sort of like maybe some of the smarter, sort of like more liberal leaning um, podcasts or interview shows, like the NPRs or the CBCs of the world, that they don't really want to talk to like guys that are like so in the mainstream, like like something like commercial country music. Yep. I'm generalizing here a little bit. Uh, or might not even give the time to somebody like Ben Mulrooney, you know, like who is a who's more of like a network star who has like a talk show. I feel like those people sometimes get ignored, but I always feel like these people have really interesting stories and they're also one of the biggest acts in country music. Like the fact that we even have access to them is I thought was kind of surprising. They were, uh, they were nice guys. Actually in our research, I found out that one of them was a pitching prospect. Like Did he, you get into any baseball with him? We, t- we talked a bit. Well, you had the one question in there where you want me to ask if, if they find time to work out on the Because on they're the road. so jacked, these guys. They are very in shape. Uh, so it was just funny asking about that. And they, they, were, they were open. They were like, yeah, you know, it was like, we work out. We, we, you know, get it in when we can. Okay, before we get to it, I want to know, do you think they were forthcoming about, you know, the, just sort of like the stance country music has taken when it comes to like issues of progressivism or just like the racial divide. And oh, America. like for like social issues, social they issues, tend to so like, yeah. you, like country artists tend to be sort of more on the conservative side because sure, of the fan base or, yeah. or for, for personal reasons. You know, what was interesting is leading up to this, you, we had a phone call, I think you are on the road yeah. and you're like, Hey, when you go into this, I really want to like get their thoughts. You know what I mean? On if, if their fan base or their genre of music tends to lean more conservative, like how aware of that are they? Is it something that they're, you know, they're conscious of, you know, when they're promoting or they're writing. So you like ask those questions like, oh, that's interesting like place to go with yeah. those guys. And I felt like they were, they were pretty good about, you know, listening and, and sort of. Yeah. Did you think they were forthcoming about, yeah, with their answers? Yeah. I, 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 you know, I think they were, they talked about it, you know, as much as they felt comfortable talking about it. And then, you know, at times it was kind of like, you know, kind of got their answer. And they're like, you know, we're about the music. We're, we okay. don't really get too involved on that side of things because we want our music to speak for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I sort of tried to like pivot and get a little bit more and it was kind of like you know they just got back to that but i think that that is who they are i think that's who they that's it's, it's not that they weren't forthcoming i think they just represented exactly who they are and there's like, yeah hey. that's true too because because not everybody like uh, necessarily intellectualizes you know every issue in the way that like you know 
somebody who you might hear on NPR try to like dive into it and unpack something. So. Yeah. Actually, uh, one of the people who's been a major Pond supporter and champion, Kristen, who we work with, uh, is a huge FGL fan. Yeah. I was like, hey, it's like, because she was like, I can't believe you're interviewing them. I'm like, you want a question? I'll put a question in for you. And so at the end, I asked them specifically about a song that she loves. So you will hear that. Uh, little tease. Little tease. So you want to get to them? Let's do it. So how you guys been? Good? Great, man. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How was the performance this morning? I was walking into to work because cool, you man. guys were, were yeah. doing it. Yeah. Good, yeah. You guys do a lot of those early sort of morning gigs? Uh, yeah, it's like a couple times a year. Yeah? Yeah. Do you find it hard to sort of ramp it up that early? And Man, once we hit the stage, the crowd kind of gets us there. So it's, it is early, but uh, but we kind of like it. It's fun, something different, you know? Yeah, The energy is sure. good. Yeah. So on the show, we really like to get into the sort of nitty-gritty of how creative people do their work, you know? process of songwriting coming up with ideas and I think for us like a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with like the sort of Nashville process you know what I mean so I guess I want to know how do you guys come up with songs how do you pick songs if like other songwriters submit and then what, what role does the producer play in sort of like crafting all that and getting it to where you guys need to be that's a great question yeah, man question. Um, there's not really a specific equation to it uh, for us we Typically write all, all year, year-round, you know, and uh, we're always writing, whether it's for us or another artist. We usually get together with uh, a few buddies in Nashville and uh, co-write usually, and then when it comes time to record a record, we just sit down with all the songs we've written and uh, try to pick the best ones and then try to pick uh, the best songs, obviously, that's, you know, been coming through our inbox over the last year as well, you know, and trying to just narrow it down to the best 15 songs, and then our producer, Joey Moy, really... Uh, helps us out with that as well helps us with the song choices and then also kind of bring them to life and take them to the next level and uh you know really really making a product that we're really proud of and, and you know developing our sound he helps us out in the studio with singing he helps us just on so many levels so he plays a huge role in recording records and um you know it's a really fun process for us as i'd on. say also the our producer uh really really takes you know the song the vocals the the moments the the instruments, the hooks, everything to the next level. You know, we're in there creating and adding things as well, but, uh, yeah, Joey's just got this ear, man. Joey Moore, our producer, he's just got this crazy good ear. We call him the wizard. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we, we can, these days, it's not it's not crazy to get a, an amazing track from a, from a songwriter that you've written that day, and it sound amazing. But when Joey Moore gets his hand on, hands on it, you know it's going to sound even better. It's going to sound more polished goes to a level it goes a couple levels man it's crazy yeah he just it's just different man he has the Joey Moore touch and uh, and at the same time I think we do the FGL thing I think we maybe change a little bit of melody or add some words we've added some things to songs that, that have been outside that we haven't been writers on we create moments that we just make them ours you know I, think, I think that's the biggest thing whether we write them or not uh, we believe what we're singing and we love them either way like we did and uh, we just make them hard man, you know? does it ever become contentious like I really want this song you're like ah, I'll take it or leave it or do you guys find that the, the workflow is pretty man pathetic? it's pretty uh, we're usually pretty pretty much on the same page uh, we, we have a pretty small team that we really love and trust you know it's about five of us and we really can sit down and and you know, if one out of the five is not liking us or or liking a song, nobody else does. It's pretty obvious that that song's not gonna be on the record. But <laughs> most, democracy. Most of the time, we all yeah. I mean, most of the time, we all uh, kind of see eye to eye and really kind of have the same ear, which is a, a huge blessing. But uh, it makes it a lot easier when we're picking. You guys met at uh, Belmont University. Mm-hmm. I read. What was it about 
each of you that sort of drew you together? You know, why why make music with each other and not maybe someone else you met that was into writing songs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I know. Honestly, I think we uh, we just knew there was something special. There was a special connection there. We both kind of felt uh, that that's what the Lord wanted us to do, to be honest, uh, that we needed to write songs and kind of see where this goes. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I remember we knew of each other at Belmont. BK was on the baseball team, and I was kind of in the sports, and I was kind of doing my own thing. And so we didn't really start... <clears throat> writing songs until our senior year 2009 and um, we knew right away when we started you know wrote wrote our very first song it was like well that that was easy and awesome and we need to do that again tomorrow and next thing you know we've probably written 10 songs together and uh, moved in together and it you know I think when we started playing music together writing songs we at the very beginning we had no idea we'd be doing this 10 years later down the road Mm -hmm. but uh, you know it's uh, it all kind of unfolded awesome you know for us and uh we just kind of followed our heart and followed followed what we thought we were supposed to be doing and uh you know here we are yeah you know i i never thought of it this way but until now but i think it's it's two guys on the same frequency in a way you know uh separated you know kind of their whole lives and what, what we did to get to belmont you know up until that moment till we met everything that we've been through i think really prepared us to meet and to create, to live together, to work these crazy jobs together, to get up early mornings, late nights, early flights, um, everything, man. So uh, definitely a God thing. And um, yeah, man, I, there's something about me and Tyler just meshing, man. We're the yin and the yang at the same time. We're, uh, we're a lot alike, a lot different. And it just is a really good blend and really good balance. And I've always felt connected, man, something bigger than us. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned that you guys are athletes, you guys are playing sports, and your live show is pretty physical. You know, you guys really sort of perform the heck out of those shows. <clears throat> I always wonder, because I think people that go to these concerts, they're just like, oh, the guys are getting up, they're playing their songs, that's what I'm here to see, but maybe they don't think about how much you got to put into that. Like, are, do you guys, like, travel with a trainer? Do you find time to work out? Is there time to work out on a tour? Like, how yeah, much Yeah, man, we, uh, we have a trainer, Wilson, out with us. He's a... He's a good friend of ours and a great guy and uh, tries to keep us in shape. Because you're right, man, our show is, is uh, very physical. It's very high energy, and uh, we got to be able to breathe the whole time. So if we're running around, we can't still can't run out of breath. You know, <laughs> yeah. We still, still got to be able to sing. So uh, it makes it fun. It's, it's, a, it's a cool thing. It's almost like a, we can still sort of be athletes and have, our, you know, have the season, if you will, have the off time, have the training period, have uh, the whole nine yards. And so we try to take care of ourselves as much as possible on the road and uh, eat clean and work out and uh, try to save a little bit of room for, for drinking at night. And that's, about, <laughs> that's about it. So uh, we have a good time with it. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty sensitive time in culture right now. There's like police shootings, race relations, and sort of just a general divide between liberals and conservatives. As artists with a platform, how do you guys internally discuss the way you choose to address those issues with your fans? Or, is, or do you guys sort of go, you know, maybe that's not for us. We put out the music and that speaks for itself. Or with the platform, are you cognizant of that? I think we've done a little bit of both. You know, I think with everything, the climate now, I mean, it is kind of crazy. You know, I think we we, uh, we posted a couple things here a couple months ago just sh- showing our support for people and saying love is the answer, you know. But for us, man, we love letting our, our words speak through our music. You know, we've got a song on this new album, Dig Your Roots, called Music is Healing. And, uh, man, that couldn't be more true to this time now. We, we just... We wrote it with, with kind of that in mind. We didn't know it would align with this timing, with everything being so so uh, hostile, I guess. But um, man, yeah, I think we're probably more letting our music kind of speak for itself. And uh, 
that, that's why we do it, man. We're songwriters, we're, we're creatives, we're artists, and I think that's kind of where our strong strong point is, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is there a conscious choice to maybe not, I guess, share your maybe personal political thoughts or thoughts on sort of I mean, events? Not really. I mean, I, we don't want to get too deep into politics just because that's not what we do. We're not politicians, but I think uh, when things like that happen in the world, you can't just act, you know, when tragedy strikes and things, we, we don't like to act like it hasn't happened. You know, you obviously just... Uh, it's on our hearts and minds as well as with everyone else. So, uh, you know, we show our love and support to the families and the victims and the and the people that uh, need the love and uh, and that's about it. You know, but but like like I said, we're not politicians. We're artists and we create music and we're creators. And so we kind of take that energy and our emotions and our thoughts and take it into the writing room and uh, let it create some sort of positive out of that. You know, so that's our goal. But yeah, we try yeah. to stay. Somewhat non-political, you know. To yeah, extent. I think it makes sense. I think you find that in every job, you know, you're not going to have people here in the building, you know, right, talking, right, about talking about politics because right. it can be divisive. Yeah, I guess with that, and with country music in general, I mean, years ago the Dixie Chicks got in a lot of trouble with the Bush comments. Right. Do you think that country music has changed in the time since those comments, where people are maybe more open, like just as far as like a fan base, or do you think they're still beholden to to sort of like certain biases? Man, I don't know about that, but I think I think as artists and having a big, a large platform and having a lot of eyes and ears on you all the time, you have to be cognizant of that, man. You have to be careful. You have to know, think about things before you say them a little bit, you know, a little bit more maybe than, than in previous years when nobody was listening. So uh, it's always it's always a nice reminder to think about, you know, like you said, the Dixie Chick story and just kind of say, hey, man, your career can can quickly take a turn regardless of what generation you are what what year you're in or whatever and so we try to we try to be smart man that's it just be smart love people and do what we do you know yeah absolutely um sometimes there's a smugness you know when people say oh country music is just about drinking and women uh but you know whether you're into like indie rock or hip-hop or classic rock that subject matter is going to be in every type of song (laughs) pop song you know those sort of pretty universal topics that being said, though, is there anything about country music as a genre that isn't inclusive or could stand to evolve a bit? Or do you guys not think that way when you're writing music? Like, we're just writing for ourselves. Man, I think with this album, Dig Your Roots, I think we really tried to to hit some messages uh, with some songs that we had, man. I think we were very, very, um, you know, uh, conscious of, of certain songs that we wanted to put out, man. There's a song called While He's Still Around. Uh, that we wanted to put out. There's a song. What's that about? Uh, that's that's a song, man. About uh, you know, it's about our dads, really. But it's about ma- making sure you call call your loved ones, man. It's so simple. While he's still around, it's it's you know, uh, like don't wait to don't wait to yeah, make make the most of every opportunity, man. How easy it, it is to make a phone call every day, but some somehow sometimes we forget or make excuses or whatever it may be, and you can just say, hey, I love you, just thinking about you, whatever it may be, to a friend or a, a grandparent and. Uh, that's a that's a huge message we believe. So, I forgot where I was going with that, but no, that makes sense to me, man. And like, well, with this record, dig your roots. I mean, you guys are gearing up. You're going to be playing a ton of shows this whole next year. I imagine you'll be out supporting this record. Do you guys like love the road? Do you love the life? Or is there ever a time you go, oh, you know, this is it's work, and you just got to put in the work and grind? Or do you still love everything about? gearing up man, for a process I, like this? Man, I think we're pretty pretty built for the road, man. I think we love we love the road. We love traveling we love meeting people we love seeing new places and uh it's even better now than ever we get to bring our families out our wives and our dogs and uh, we kind of make it a family affair we both have vehicles behind the bus so we can kind of explore we've kind of um i guess now we're touring in uh 
a little bit more leisure, a little bit more luxury, sure. and so it's uh, it is nice. We've tried to really create an environment to where it feels like home as much as possible. And like I said, we have our families out, and we can uh, explore and do cool things. And um, I'm not saying we, we'll do it for the next 50 years straight, but I mean we we love being on the road. I'm sure um, anytime we take more than about a week or two off, we're, we're <laughs> You get pretty anxious to get back on the road. So at this point, we're uh, we're loving it, man. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Maybe you're not be doing it, in, you know, for the next fifty <clears throat> years. What could you see? I'll ask you both individually yourself doing if you weren't doing this. Man, I don't know. It's hard to say. We're we're both such entrepreneurs, man. We we have so many creative ideas, and uh, <clears throat> from from you know, a workout gym to a coffee shop to a clothing store to acting to whatever, man. I mean, we just. Something the possibilities yeah. are endless, man, and, yeah. and as creators, it's really oh, yeah. almost a, it's almost to a fault. Our brain is always spinning with ideas, and uh, so I don't know. I'm sure we'll take a year or two off here and there and, and kind of uh, explore different avenues and just kind of see where the wind blows us and what we're supposed to be doing. But uh, like you said, right now we're just, we're just digging our roots, and we're uh, staying on the road and seeing our fans and doing what we love. Same thing for you? Oh, yeah, man. Oh yeah. You guys play any sports anymore? I'm saying you're athletes. You guys throw the ball around at all on the road? A couple times, you know, throughout the summer, if we get near a baseball field or an open field or something, I'll throw. If, yeah. if it's a nice day, man, I'll kind of get the itch. Tyler <laughs> will see me still this day. I'll be like, "How's my arm feeling?" You know, like, I'll be like, you know, I bet I could throw ninety today. Just, uh, is that, could you get up to ninety in your? Park? Every now and then, I, I used to be able to. I probably top out like once or twice, but man, I probably sit mid to high eighties. I was a lefty, so I, I like to mix it up. Got to get change up. Yeah, I read you transferred to Belmont when you sort of were like, maybe baseball won't be a pro thing that I do. Was yeah. that a tough realization? Uh, no, you know, um, it was something I was looking forward to, to be honest with you. I, I wanted a shot or I didn't want a shot. You know, I kind of was ready to get that one year just to go try to do professional baseball, or I was really excited about giving music a full-time shot because yeah. I'd never had, you know, uh, music was never full-time. It was always baseball, school, workouts. I mean, it was a busy, busy life for a long time, and music, or baseball took up, it was life, you know, so... I kind of made music a hobby and could would write and do music whenever I could, but I was low-key just looking forward to seeing what I could do. I felt like there was a lot of songs in my heart, and I knew that, you know, we kind of got with the right people, and once I got you know, hooked up with Tyler, I, I knew that was the right thing, so we just chased it. Well, it's been such an unmitigated success. Like, you guys are, like you said, once you felt you are in the right place, it all just started happening. Mm -hmm. And as you move on, you become more and more successful, so you travel more luxury now. It must totally feel like it was the right path for you guys. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, we really did from day one feel like it was kind of ordained and felt like it was meant to be, and uh, it's a good feeling. I think that's a pretty rare feeling when you know 100% I'm, a, I'm doing the exact thing I'm supposed to be doing right now, and, you know, there's always questions and stuff, and uh, especially at our age and just fresh out of college, and nobody really knows what they want to do, and uh, so, yeah, it was a cool feeling to know, like, the world may not think we're doing the right thing right now, and we're dead broke, and we're traveling in Tahoe, but, man, this is, <laughs> this is what we're supposed to be doing, and... Uh, you know, until this day, this feels this. It feels like we're in the right place, and it's a good feeling. Uh, lastly, uh, someone who works on this pod is a massive, massive fan, and so she wanted me to ask uh, the context behind your your single "Dirt." It's like her favorite song of all time. Oh, cool. Well, we didn't write that one, but that song, man, that's a spiritual song. That song is pretty cool because uh, it's written by our two good buddies, Rodney Clawson and Chris Tompkins. Uh, they got together one one week, one day to write. And they started Dirt, got maybe halfway done, and they were supposed to write with somebody else the next day. They canceled that right to finish Dirt, got some more of it done, still wasn't done, got 
together a third day, canceled their ride with their other co-riders, got together t uh, again and finished it. So it was a three-day ride, which is kind of unheard of, man. You can tell mm -hmm. that the power of editing, which we've done, uh, and just... Really working the song. Yeah, really, really just digging into it, man. That's a tough song to write, and to hear that hook, uh, the lyrics, man. I mean, we've lived it. It's, it's us. It's our fans. It's our families. It's our vision. It's our heart. And... Um, yeah, it's just it's it's just a beautiful song, man. We we heard it. Uh, our manager played it for us. I think we were in Vegas, maybe. I don't yeah. know where we were. Somewhere, and he's like, "Check out this new Clawson song." And we were just by the end of the first chorus. I mean, it was like that's we're cutting that. Yeah, it's special. Well, all the best in the record, fellas. And thanks, thanks so much for your time. Man. I really appreciate, appreciate it. Thanks, Honestly, appreciate you, man. Cheers. I hope you like the new music, man. Welcome to the dessert. We are sitting here with our friend and pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what's going on? No, no this is the uh, wedding episode, isn't it? Is Long it? hair, ring, Mike's looking like a lady. You. <laughs> 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 Actually, we went up for uh, dinner last week. Well, you joined us for uh, after dinner. Uh, I did, yes. And you were that you said you were just so happy to be married because you could wear sweatpants out all the time. Yeah. That'll I, be your only outfit moving forward. I wore sweatpants and like old man Nike running shoes last night uh, outside with a jean jacket. Yeah, it to, does, to the bar. As yeah. you guys probably <laughs> noticed with me also, it does change your fashion a little bit. Like, you look cool. We're going to post a photo. <laughs> oh, do I look cool? I think so. But yeah. You know me. Like I find you just, you, you become less self-conscious. But like right now I'm wearing like kind of... Um, in the scene in Dumb and Dumber when they get all the money and they, they wear ridiculous ski jackets. Yeah. I'm kind of wearing like a, a pared down version of that. Right yeah. Now. It's like for our listeners, it's a bright orange with a yellow collar and then light blue sleeves and then like a floral kind of squiggly pattern on the bottom half of the jacket. A single, like if I was single, I would never wear this. Right? <laughs> really? No. You'd be peacocking though. That's a good single. Yeah. But I kind of look like an annoying, like Justin Bieber, like douche <laughs> right now. I had a question for you. You were uh, dieting pretty fiercely uh, going into the wedding. Oh, so you notified I packed on a few pounds. No, back. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that all out the window now? Because you don't have to worry about wedding photos. Well, you are looking at me, Max. <laughs> I think you know the answer to the question. No, you, you look about well, the same. About the same. Uh, <laughs> well, since you're so curious, Max, I've gained uh, <laughs> 15 pounds really? since the wedding. Whoa. I know. No wonder you're wearing that big windbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was wearing a mask right now. My face is so fat. And now I'm doing a new thing where I'm on a uh, an app that counts my calories through the week for me so I don't exceed 2,000, and then I'm still fasting again. But it was hard, like... After the wedding, do a honeymoon. Mm -hmm. Then we're partying for the, the pre-parties that go into Mike's, Mike's wedding. Then Mike's wedding. Yeah. And now I'm just getting back into uh, regular life. But, yeah, speaking of uh, Mike's wedding, uh, I guess that's what I'd like to uh, like talk to, about. Like to get into. Well, yeah, okay. I guess from my perspective, um, <laughs> like I thought, I thought it was going to be a really good day. For, for me, because I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. The but. day started with all of my groomsmen, of which both of you were that, coming over to the house, my place, and getting ready, and the photographer's, like, taking photos of getting ready and all that stuff, so. Yeah, I guess, I just, like, I just had was having a horrible time that whole day, <laughs> obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I guess I'll start from the beginning. It all started when you and I went to see TIFF movie. Uh, we went to TIFF. We saw Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah, we saw Magnificent Seven at TIFF. That was, I guess, a week before. A week before the wedding. Oh, so and this is all leading up to your this terrible is all, Friday. This okay. is all leading up oh, to why Mike's wedding this. was so bad for me. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, it was one of the worst times I've had. <laughs> and it was because, so it starts, uh, finished Magnificent Seven. 
I, you know, I'm, a, I'm like, oh, Mike, how, how did you think? Mike's just like looking at his phone. He's like, holy shit, this can't be real. I'm like, what? Mike's like, nothing. I'm like, tell me. I'm like, no. Mike's like, what did you think of the movie? And then I'm like, I'm trying well, to put this, the, the, the thought back yeah, on. I'm the- like, oh, you know, I thought it was uh, kind of hack. I go on for like five minutes. Mike's not even looking at me. He's not paying attention. He's like, okay, here's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, Alex, your wife, Alex, has kind of uh, ruined the surprise about where we were going to take Mike out the night before his wedding. Because as, uh, <laughs> y- as you know, Max, we have a tradition in our group where we take out the groom-to-be for a night of partying in a hotel that we typically get. Yeah, Mike's brother, Greg, had planned a bit of a, uh, uh, a twist on that. We were going to rent a school bus, yeah. <laughs> surprise Mike after our rec league baseball game, and take him from Hamilton to Toronto and combine, amalgamate all the Hamilton friends with the Toronto friends in this crazy party that Mike was going to be totally caught off guard in. But after Magnificent Seven, Mike's wife-to-be, Danica, messages him and says, what the f***? You're getting a bus rental the night before our wedding? <laughs> she did not say it like that. It was she. <laughs> so, first of all, the reason that I, I didn't tell you at first is because I felt bad. I was going to keep it to myself so you guys could still have the joy of the surprise. Like, I felt bad for my friends, so I was like, ah, I'm not going to say anything. But what it was was she just cut and pasted. I guess Alex had put it in, like, a message group. So she just cut and pasted Alex's message. And then sent that to me with three question marks. So her thing wasn't like, you're getting on a bus. She's just like, when did this plan come in? How come you didn't tell marks, me? The subtext of the question marks is, what the f***? <laughs> Only did you know? Because we talked that, we'd already talked about what I was doing that night. I was like, oh yeah, they're going to get the hotel room because that's part of our tradition as well. She thought for some reason, I just didn't tell her about this bus trip to Toronto. But I had no idea. And then I saw the message and I was like, oh my God. And then Alex, Alex blew it. Well, yeah. because although I did tell my wife that it was a surprise, uh, Alex did not <laughs> Alex know that Danica is- wasn't in on the surprise. I, and obviously, uh, I don't know, Mike was upset, but then I started crying. So I think he started feeling bad for me because I felt so bad. Oh, you literally started crying? Yeah, like I was furious. And I called Alex and like tore her a new one. <laughs> You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just felt bad for you guys that you planned it. And then now I knew whereas you could have gotten the joy of me genuinely being surprised to see a school and, bus. And, you know, Greg put in all the effort. So then uh, I'm feeling horrible. But then there's a little like uh, silver lining that we have a we're in a rec league baseball league. Right. <laughs> so if we win the Monday night game, we would play again on Thursday. So if we make it to that Thursday night the bus would have been canceled anyway. Yes. So now I'm just like, Alex, we need to win this game <laughs> to make your mistake not even matter, right? Because yeah. we would have been canceled anyway. So I'm like, we're going to batting cages. Like we're trying everything <laughs> to win this series. So we play, it's a five game series. We play on the Monday. We need to win at least one of these games to make it go to Thursday. First game, we get slaughtered 12 to four. The next game, we're losing 12 to like one. (laughs) And so obviously we're not going to come back and win. But I'm trying to keep the faith alive. All that. We came back and won 17 to 16 in the most miraculous way possible. I heard, yeah. I I missed this game. I'm on the team, but I heard all about it. And Mike hit the run 
the home run to lead us into the uh, get us the one point lead. Was it actually a home run or is this a guy who doesn't know about baseball trying to describe something? It was a home run, but there was a lot of throwing errors. It was like an in-the-park home run. It was a single with three errors. (laughs) But Mike triumphantly crossed the home run line. Is that what it's called? I thought it was a (laughs) walk-off. I thought it was the last inning, and we were home. Mike goes, yeah, as he's crossing. (laughs) And then everyone's like, Mike, no, they still get to bat. There's another inning. Mike's like, oh, I look like a (laughs) idiot. (laughs) But then we got three up, three down. Yes. Was that actually on the night we were supposed to take you? That was the Thursday night. That was the Thursday night, yeah. Oh, okay. So we Monday, I'm ruining this fucking story, but Monday we won, got it to Thursday, and then the Thursday, the night we were supposed to take you out, you hit the home run to take us into going out with you. Yes. Which now was just based in Hamilton because the bus was canceled because we had to play that night anyway. Right. So point is, it worked out that we actually had to play Thursday. So Alex's mistake wasn't a mistake. <laughs> I'll get to the point. I got so excited that not only did Mike hit the home run, that Alex's faux pas was forgiven, that I proceeded to get ridiculously drunk, probably one of the drunkest times I've ever been in my life. Also, Mike gave me like this kick-ass pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses as a gift. I don't have to give a speech at his wedding. I basically, I have no responsibilities on the wedding day. So I'm chugging the jack (laughs) i end up we end up going to a place called happy hours which is a karaoke place here in hamilton and so first of all it was an amazing night you guys set up this um you got this hotel which we do as a tradition the night before someone gets married we win this game we walk off we go right to the hotel and you're the hero of the game i was feeling pretty good and i was getting married the next day but i was like being reasonable i wasn't going to get super drunk i was like i'll have i'll have a few beers like but i'm not going to be out super late but you guys go to town. I saw a million Snapchat videos the next day that I have no recollection of. Of you um, on the stage? Yeah, yeah. just to, uh, <laughs> well, some of the snaps were uh, me grabbing microphones off men I, I don't really know and uh, simulating oral sex on them. Yeah, at their uh, d- level. Yeah, at their d- level, ramming the microphone, grabbing the microphone off people, ramming it into my own genitals repeatedly for a minute. Uh, I told the whole crowd off <laughs> then i told the crowd i was the richard Pryor for our generation <laughs> yeah because you just watched the richard Pryor doc right i did <laughs> i was very inspired that night and then i was grabbing there's people were playing pool and i was throwing the pool balls around and i just woke up feeling like a nightmare had just occurred and with the most pounding headache then i realized i had to go to mike's wedding showed up went to the wedding mike's speeches and everything were like so good, I bawled the whole wedding. Yeah. It was just the most emotionally taxing day of my life and the worst I'd ever felt. So <laughs> that, that's basically it. And you were, you were crying too, though, like a madman. So oh, yeah. Like you and I were uh, probably the, the two... Because uh, I was the loudest crier, probably, because I cry very loudly. I didn't think that was real. Like, uh, I, I had heard rumors that you cry bad. Oh, But yeah. I've never actually seen you cry. I've heard you talk about crying. Do you know how it sounded? Well, Try a, to imitate it. Uh, <laughs> that's it that's it that's exactly it and you your face looks crazy when you do <laughs> it was like i i at first i was like i'm i'm bawling like just tears streaming down my face and then i hear like what i honestly thought was a woman i'm not just trying <laughs> and then i looked over and it was you and it was like, uh, i've been uh, since then called a very ugly crier too because my face gets just all like squishy yeah. there's a clip of um <laughs> 
Oh, James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek when he's crying <laughs> and it, it, it's gotten very viral. It has like, I don't know, 7 million views. But you make the exact same face oh, that no. he makes in that clip. Have you seen the clip he's talking about? No. It's pretty Somebody funny. Somebody sent me a clip, though, of uh, it was like a, a talk show and there's like a fa- like a son forgiving his father for being a bad father. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's Mike is epic. always howling at his desk watching. <laughs> I watch that clip at least once a month. I don't know why it slays <laughs> me so much. It's because the dad's dead quiet as he processes everything. Yeah. And then just on a dive, like, lets it all out. I don't know why I find it so funny. But But you know what? So um, I was, because I I was not quite in as bad shape as you, but I did drive home the, that Thursday night from New York City. So I was like kind of in a van from like midnight to 10 a.m. and a little delirious. Uh, And we were kind of drinking during the day. So I I was kind of in just an odd state myself. I wasn't like hungover, but it was just like running on no sleep. And so it's definitely when you when you're either like hungover or tired, and then there's like emotional things happening around you, it's a lot easier to start crying. Yeah, I, w- I was absolutely ruined. Yeah. How was how was your time though, Mike? I it was one of the greatest nights of my life. It was so. I mean, it's just it's it's one of the things that you gotta plan, plan. You stress out about because you want things to like go well. I want my wife to be happy. All that stuff. And then once it happens and you're surrounded by all these people that it's like kind of like a, this is your life where it's like, oh, it's, there's my cousins and my aunts. And like you just see all these people all in one room sort of um, there to celebrate, you know, you and your partner. And it's like it's awesome. It's great. I was talking to your brother, Greg, today, and uh, he said that you love calling Danica your wife now. You're dropping my wife. My wife, my wife, my wife, all the time. I'm all in, Max. Yeah. I'm it. wearing jogging pants to the bar. Yeah, fiance sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I like never used normal. fiance. I felt silly saying fiance. Wife's like girlfriend. It just makes sense. Cool. Yeah. That would no partner, huh? My partner. I do do that too, still. Yeah. People can think you're gay, though, when you do that too. <laughs> and <laughs> the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I just want to represent what I am. Yeah. A bisexual male. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's our episode. I want to thank Florida Georgia Line. I want to thank Shane Cunningham. I want to thank Jenna's Doodles. Uh, Jenna Gregory, she provides the artwork for the show. You can find yourself at jennasdoodles.com. Please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Um, and subscribe to the show. Leave a comment in the ratings. That really makes a big difference. And tell your friends. If, if you've got any other friends that are really into podcasts, tell them about this show because uh, we, we really appreciate the support. The Mike and Much Podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week. We don't die on the weekend. Boom. Boom.